mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Synonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to another episode of Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. Uh, we had our Oscars episode, and then we took a little break last week, but we are back uh, to continue our exploration of Boom's pick of Set It Off. And uh, tonight we're going to be discussing my selection, which is John Singleton's Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Great mm. choice. I'm very excited about mm-hmm. this. I fucking love this movie. And upon rewatch, I remembered exactly why, why I love it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable but we'll save that for just a little bit um i don't know why i did that that was great i don't know why i did that so in our oscars draft episode uh me and catcher along with the quote-unquote film hags so they say uh <laughs> film hags sophie shin uh episode transcriber to the stars as well for various tape deck podcasts podcast queen uh podcast queen we uh made our picks a whole bunch of points came in, and I came out on top, obviously, as if anyone... Wait, didn't I? I thought it was Sophie. I did. Because Sophie went all in on, on Power, Power of the Dog, the which dog. means she lost. Yeah. But congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And that means that I was promised a guest spot and a movie of my selection on Film Hacks. Oh, my God. That's so uh, chaotic. I didn't know that was the wager, but I'm so excited. <laughs> we yeah. didn't either until we went in about five seconds before recording. Yeah. <laughs> That being said, Film Hag Season 2 has to come back for this bet to come yeah, back. Yeah, Ian doesn't want which... none of this 1.5 business. He's like, let yeah. me on the we're real. All, uh, we're all waiting with bated breath. Um, <laughs> but since we haven't talked about the Oscars, any, any highlights from the Oscars, apart from the obvious, which we can discuss quickly if you want, but <laughs> any, other, uh, any other moments or, or surprises for either of you? Catcher, the whole thing was probably a surprise to you because... I didn't watch it. had almost no context going into it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched, like, I ended up watching The Lost Daughter in advance, Uh, which was amazing. Um, Mm. But there are a lot more still to watch. So it was a surprise to see all those not points I I got. None of the points I got, pretty much. I got a few, actually. One or two. I got Jessica Chastain. So YouTube guy, thank you. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Thank you, YouTube guy. I have to say this like standout things to me were one Anthony Hopkins like and we're not going to talk about all the nonsense that happened but the presence of Anthony Hopkins coming out just slightly later and just wrapping that whole situation up and moving it forward was a work of genius that no one has spoken about and it upsets me just go back if you could just experience that in real time what he managed to do to get the thing moving forward was incredible and they should pay him also, I really loved every time Dune won, they praised Denny, which I'm sure is yeah. probably like it's par for the course for anyone, you know, winning an award. It did feel like they were really extra doing it. And I think it was because he didn't get exactly, right? which I loved. And that made me happy. And I just this idea yeah. that like all of the, you know, sort of technical and like art, like the departments, this thing that helps create the world was really influenced by like his childhood and and the things he thought of as a kid. 
So for him to get that, like get all these awards for like taking his dreams and making them reality, like how beautiful a story is that? Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, but otherwise, the cinematography of the entire show was absolute garbage. The angle. It was a really weird angle. It was super tight. Yes. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I, 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 at first, I liked how close it was, but yes. then some things like it didn't work for me. I don't know. Yeah. No. The first time we're like, oh, well, this is kind of intimate. But then it was like under their nose with mm. like a weird yeah. fisheye, almost fisheye lens at certain points. It was just like, what the what? This is bad. Um, yeah. So the, the, the show itself was clunky, but there were some great moments. Mm-hmm. My main thing with the Oscars is that they cut a bunch of the really great like technical but awards. But then showed them. But then showed them, and then they waste like the show was still like eight hours long. Yeah. And then they added a bunch of stuff no one needed. Like no one needed a James Bond tribute. No, no one needed <laughs> like uh what were the other most random tributes that popped up? Like who cares? The, the craziest like, thing about the James Bond tribute is it didn't even like lead into the performance of the song, which would would have made sense. Like. I don't know, yeah. craziness. Mm. And the Academy wanted to trim things because like we need to get like movie movie fans, like young people watching. And it's like at this point, just accept that the only people watching the Oscars are like big movie dorks. So just cater to them. <laughs> you know? Like you're not gonna win back people anymore. Cater like, to the dorks. You tried doing it. Yeah. You tried doing it and then fucking Zack Snyder's Justice League was featured about eight oh times during this during the Amazing. Oscars, which was unbelievable. But Anyway, uh, boom. Any high-level things before we see what we watched this week? Um, I mean, it was a dumpster fire. I'd mm-hmm. say, like, the things that I enjoyed were was Zendaya just seemingly having her own section. Like, that yeah. was pretty baller. Um, And then when, what, I don't know the actor's name. He won for Coda. Troy. Troy yeah. Coster. Troy Coster. Yeah. Um, and our queen from Minari, Yu Jung. Mm-hmm. Um, is that? Yu Jung Yun. Yeah. yeah. She was Yo, hilarious. Um, just staring, holding his award so he could sign. Um, yeah. but then just staring lovingly at him the whole time. I know. It was, it filled my heart with so much joy. And, and when she signed his name, when he won, mm. she was so mm-hmm. excited, clearly practiced hoping that he was going to win or yeah. maybe knowing he was going to win because... <laughs> He had been winning everything, but that was really cool. I really, really yeah, it was just very heartfelt. And for all the chaos that happened, I thought I I haven't seen Coda, and I do think I will watch it. Well, I'll yeah, obviously watch. watch it. Um, but yeah, that was like one of the nicer moments. Everything else was just pure chaotic evil vibes. So chaotic it was chaos. it was a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> the the tribute the like uh tribute to like the people who had passed it's chaotic like everything just yeah. so chaotic oh yes. my yeah. god i do yeah the people like dancing on stage it was so bizarre yeah like it was very it was weird. just yeah. like too flashy you know what yeah. i mean like me, that's definitely the vibes that i want to bring to my personal in memoriam whenever mm-hmm, i leave mm-hmm, this here mm-hmm, earth mm-hmm. but i j- yes. it just we already have that written down yeah thank in you our, so uh, much contracts yeah. yeah but just like commemorating like some of like the greatest people to like in the film business um uh, film industry just it just felt so wrong <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking forward to coming on film hag season two in 2024 i'm so excited for you <laughs> let's catch up what did what did y'all watch the last two weeks oh my god I what didn't too. we watch ian that's the question Oh, well, I'm just uh, my big 
So I, I'll call out two things. Uh, the first one is um, Bridgerton season two. Oh my God. I fucking <laughs> loved Bridgerton season one. Season two also slapped. Slapping. Um, not as much horniness mm-hmm. as season one. I've heard that. At, at least, over, at least overt horniness. Like in season one of Bridgerton, there's some like hilariously long sex scenes, which are like great. Uh, but this one is like they just like tease out like little like breathing moments for really long mm. so it like gives you that spice in like a different way but overall I, I thought the story was better um it was more interesting like they int- they like played with a lot of characters um better but big fan of it so Bridgerton season two enjoyed quite a bit uh and then the other one is everything everywhere all at once oh. did both of you watch that not yet I, i'm the only one so please be uh, i'm sorry i can tr- i can take my headphones out no 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 no, 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 no it's fine no, that's okay. uh I'll give my high level. I don't even think you could spoil this movie if you wanted to. Yeah, you really can't. Like, 10 out of 10, a perfect movie for mm. me. Absolutely. Um, it was, like, the the movie's ability to change its tone mm. on you so fast, like, was, like, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. I, like, really masterclass in storytelling and, and screenplay writing. And then on top of it, visually, was just, like, fucking unbelievable. Um, so that's my non-spoiler uh, commentary. I agree about it. with you. Like, I I enjoyed it. I went to go see it. They were doing like an exclusive IMAX screening, like across. That must have been insane in IMAX. It was well. So I was telling Catcher like the IMAX theater that it played in in Toronto isn't like really IMAX. It's just a really big screen, mm-hmm. but it was awesome, and I'm happy I did it. Um, but I agree with you 100%. Like, they just have, like, the audience... They have the audience in the palm of their hands from jump. Like, you're just so engaged. And then any kind of tone switch, you're just right there. Even though you're literally being thrown in a bunch of different directions. There's, like, so many, like, emotional touch points in this film as well that you're just... Like, I left it, I left that movie and I was like, I feel like I just lived an entire life. Like, that was insane. I can't believe that all that was just packed into two hours. Um, But yeah, Yeah. I agree. Absolutely incredible. Uh, The performances as well are just some of the best I've seen lately, especially in a really amazing film like this, where you just get to have fun with it. But there's like a lot of technicality. A lot of just mm-hmm. kind of a lot of range that needs to be happening, mm-hmm. and everybody involved, like all the actors, were just like so good. Yeah. You see a different like side of Jamie Lee Curtis, like literally everyone just blew my mind. So mm-hmm. yeah, loved it. Like you all know, everyone knows I'm an A24 shill. Yeah, they're having a good year. But the the one thing they need to do is they need to adjust their release schedules mm. because this is gonna get the same situation as get out where I think it's going to have like a lot of fair, a, a big amount of momentum. But then like by the time award season comes around, well, I guess Jordan Peele did win best director, but like, you know, by the time award season comes around, I think it's, they're going to be working really hard against themselves to, you know, try and keep in the conversation. And I absolutely think this should be, I mean, I, I have a hard time, you know, miss, you know, speaking of superlatives, I have a hard time imagining like another movie that will kind of get to this level. Uh, this yeah. Year. I mean, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I agree with you. What else did you watch, Boom? Um, so much. Like I went to see The Lost City with my mom and my oh. sister on Friday. How was it? Uh, it was as good as you could expect it to be. Like okay, I yeah. gave it four stars because I think like yeah. 
the reason I was going to see that film, it, like, is exactly what I got. It, it right. And it actually was, I, I find with these more, like, you know, mainstream comedies that are very, like, blockbuster comedies, they're never actually funny. But I thought, like, Sandra Bullock is hilarious. A, like, she's a great physical comedian as well. Channing Tatum also is like really funny and I Mm -hmm. like was actually like genuinely laughing and enjoying myself even though it's like essentially plotless and like really silly um (laughs) but yeah and then I watched I don't know what what's worth noting like I watched the oh okay on prime it's like an erotic thrill not deep water I mean I watched that but like I feel like everybody's (laughs) everybody's talking about that so whatever but there's this movie with sydney sweeney and justice smith called the voyeurs yeah and it's like i haven't seen it it's like an erotic thriller about this couple who moves into an apartment and then they can like see directly into like the neighbors across the way and they like become obsessed uh with it and it was terrible but like <laughs> so incredibly entertaining. Like I would probably like I probably watch this movie again, even though I only gave it like two and a half stars. But there's like <laughs> 30 plot twists. Um, and then there's mm. also a very deep conversation about like cheating. And one mm. of the lines in the film is actually like a vibrator doesn't isn't connected to a soul. And that's like their <laughs> argument. So, needless to say, I love this movie so much. Um, That sounds very good. Yeah, it's just like hot garbage, you know, if if you need it. (laughs) Catcher, what about you? Actually, you know, I'm getting ready to go on like a long road trip. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I had a little bit of time off work because I quit my job and I had a week off. So I did a bunch of stuff, but then I also managed to squeeze in The Godfather one mm. and two and a bit of three, but mm. I haven't finished it. Um, I mean, this is the first time I've watched it. What kind of Italian am I, I guess? Um, or what kind of film lover am I, I guess? But, I mean, guys, it turns out these movies are pretty damn good. <laughs> like, oh it's my true. goodness. It's true. All of it's it. crazy. Like, it, I was riveted, riveted. Like, mm. late into the nights, three hours, like, I put it on and... I couldn't stop watching it. The first one in particular is just unreal. Um, Cinematography, the performances. The performances are so good. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The way everything unfolds perfectly. Every scene, there's no fluff. Everything is giving you exactly what you need, and he carries you to the finish. And with a closing shot that is just so good. good. Um, And the way they sort of mirror that shot in the second one is amazing mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. Ugh, I, what can i say it's the godfather like if you haven't seen it like watch it it's just it would be rude not to see it um and they just did a restoration which is what i watched it on mm-hmm. so they did I, did you buy the 4k disc, not the 4k or you just no i just i did blue i bought the blu-ray mm. three pack um and just lovely just lovely yeah um and for a little insight for those who don't know, sweet our sweet boy catcher yeah. veers on the side of chaos <laughs> in the behind-the-scenes planning of Cynonauts. Yep. Boom and I, we got to step in sometimes, <laughs> give him a little pet, say, catcher. Our sweet chaotic boy. 
last week when Boom said she was feeling a little under the weather and then they couldn't join, Catcher very loosely DM'd me and said, hey, what do you think if we just do the Godfather 1, 2, and 3? I was like, <laughs> in one episode? Yeah. I was like, Catcher, please. Yeah. Please, I beg you. I know. Not like this. And then I said, please. no. Three, I, I, admitted, I admitted right away that 3 was maybe too much. But 1 and 2, I mean, we're probably not going to cover them twice we could cover them why not well, that's, i guess that's true it, it might be such... the only way you get me to watch the godfather so i think i actually chance. like think you would really really Boom. like, really? like okay. yes yeah I, I actually think you would yes. they're okay. really really fucking good it's not uh, yeah um, i've just never had any strong desire to watch them but Boom. yeah i trust you boys i trust you Boom, I've, I've if, been uh, in the same place you are now, where it's just like, everyone talks about it. Like, who cares? Citizen Kane, Godfather, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but man, it, I totally changed my mind. It's like not the movie I thought it was going to be, and it's just wonderful. So Okay, perfect. And if, if you can't wait for us synonyms to tackle the Godfather, uh, our boys over at 70 Millimeter, they just did the Godfather as well. You can listen to them on their tape deck pod. Uh, and then while you're there... If you like them, check out their Patreon, 70mmpod.com, four bucks a month. Go in there, talk movies with us and other we're in the, fine We're folks. in the chat, come through. Yeah. Um, catcher, anything else other than The Godfather? Um, uh, Titan, Titan, Titan. Oh, here it comes. Okay. What do you think? Amazing. Like, oh. um, amazing. It's a. I forget. Boom. Where did you fall on the title? It was team? like in my top five, I think. Oh yeah, yeah so I I'm really, outside. really so I, okay, liked so I'm, it. I'm the outsider. You're the odd man out, Ian. No, just Ian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. watch it again. You, you were not paying enough attention. That I was paying it's not for everyone. attention. Is so good. The way it makes you feel gross and disgusted and and like so many other amazing, like all the emotions. When you were describing everything everywhere all at once, I know that it's a different yeah. thing, but to me, I was like, these are all words I would use to describe this movie. Um, mm. Like, just the way it's so confidently told, considering what you're watching on screen is absolute madness, like at every turn. Um, and in my mind, like, no one is having more fun than the filmmaker of this movie, <laughs> making movies. Like, it's just like, I will do what I want, how I want, and it's told well, sure. and, and, in a way that is so in feels so individualistic to this person like there's i've never seen a movie that's like this it borrows a lot of interesting ideas and like visuals maybe like body horror and these sorts of things but pff, never seen a movie like this it's excellent on on paper titan titan yeah. was should have been a home run for me mm. but the first act was so bad i had like spoilers for like 30 seconds or a minute if you haven't seen this yet. I don't understand why they had to make her like a murderer and then like make you try and root for her. Like I really like could not get past that. It made like no sense to me because like if the movie had started off when she got to the fireplace, fire the fire station, I actually really, really, really would have liked it. But the first act just made me be like, you're, you're kind of a, like, why, why do I want you to succeed in any way? Like, Sure, you may have had like an uh, abusive father at some point, but your mom wasn't. Like those people you were just meeting at parties weren't. Like you just seemed to like murder people. Yeah. It just got hard for me to like understand why I should feel any sort of pity for her. Just, that was it. So that was like my huge mm-hmm. issue. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know. Also, Future Islands is an overrated band. <laughs> okay. <perfect. Sure. laughs> yes. uh, 
I can't I can't say I can defend it only in that I'm very excited to watch it again and just to see because yeah. it's it's just the way it's told. It's like it's all I imagine it's all there. So I can't wait to just like dive yeah. in. Catcher will be, as he said earlier, he's going on a little road trip, so he'll be out next week. But Boom and I are gonna soldier on, mm-hmm. figure out something fun for us to do. We'll figure that out. We'll get you all surprised next week. Mm-hmm. Uh but right now, let's get into Boys in the Hood. So if you haven't seen Boys in the Hood, um, stop this and go watch it right now. Um, but it's about a group of four uh, black men or boys when they start in um, Compton, the inner city of L.A. And it's just about their life from 1984 to 1991 and what it's like to grow up in sort of the situations and, and the circumstances that they are in. Um, stars Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Nia Long. Uh, Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, Morris Chestnut, just like a who's who of like 90s black actors. Regina King uh, and was also making Regina small role. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's right. She pops up for a second. That's right. Regina King also. Um, and is written, directed by John Singleton. But before we go on, let's get into our time machine. Uh and travel back to 1990. Uh, so John Singleton was a, uh, he grew up in LA, which, and decided one day, he's like, he has never seen a film that mm. sort of represented who he was or, or told the story that he, that he really lived. Um, and he came up with the idea to write Boys in the Hood or a movie, um, which later became Boys in the Hood. Uh, basically, like about his own life and the, and the people he knew. Um, it was original ti- originally titled Summer of 84, and then it became uh, Boys in the Hood. And, um, you know, rather than get deep into the history of production about it, I think like my main thing that I took from this and like in things I've read and interviews I've watched is that um, the impact of Boys in the Hood. So uh, he sold the script in... To Columbia in 1990, mm. and they greenlit it, um, trying to hit another success like Do the Right Thing, with it, which I think is pretty interesting because Do the Right Thing and Boys in the Hood are obviously totally similar, but I, they are also like wildly different. Like I, you know, I think they're in the canon of, of conversation, but they have they have, I don't know they feel very different to me in in a lot of ways. Um, maybe it's just like the Spike Lee eeness of Do the Right Thing. Um, anyway, so. The movie came out in 1991 to massive critical success. Um, it even got nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Director and Best Screenplay. Uh, he did not win either, but that's still pretty amazing that a film like this at the time was able to get that sort of recognition um, from the Academy. And, um, you know, there were a lot of interesting things I, I, I learned when I was reading up about it. My main thing, and like I said about legacy and like representing himself on screen was that he did the premiere in um, Compton and where the film takes place and where he grew up. And, you know, I read reports and, and news articles about how it was basically like a party um, when the movie came out because it was the first time that people really under, like felt like they were understood on screen coming from there. Things have been done in New York. Obviously, Do the Right Thing is a, the clear example there. Mm. But there hasn't been anything that was shown in L.A., um, to that like level of realism, um, the amount of detail of things like 
sirens going by and gunshots and helicopters flying over all the time were all very like distinct choices that he put in mm. that all like resonated really well with the film audience. Um, beyond that, obviously, like I said, Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Angela Bassett, uh, Lawrence Fishburne obviously had a bit of a career by this point, uh, Neil Long, Regina King, um, Morris Chestnut, it all helped skyrocket um, these actors uh, or musicians turned actors into really iconic members of uh, black actors in the 90s and obviously going through today, like Angela Bassett and Regina King are cleaning up uh, in award shows still yeah. um, whenever they're able to do things. And Ice Cube, you know, obviously music and is a huge pop culture icon now for like different kinds of movies, but still like very much in the acting world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. goes on to win Oscars uh, for um, Jerry Maguire not too much later. So, um, yeah, I mean... That was my thing for me is that, you know, when people hear things like Boys in the Hood and I rewatched this for the first time um, about a year or two ago and watching it, obviously, after the last couple of years in like America specifically um, and just like understanding like, man, some people just understand how to tell a story and make it resonate for years on end. And John Singleton absolutely is like one of those people absolutely. and does it in this. Um, so I'm curious, have, have either of you seen the movie prior to this? Yeah, I've seen this a few times. So John Singleton, I would say, like, I don't, <clears throat> and kind of like re-watching this and revisiting his, like, filmography kind of made mm -hmm. me recognize this, but he's actually probably one of my favorite directors of, like, mm -hmm. all time. I think he has... I, well, he was like just incredibly talented and his ability, like his ability to just do this amazing high level of storytelling while keeping you incredibly entertained is just honestly some of the best. Like Poetic Justice obviously is a great mm. movie, but even like Baby Boy, Four Brothers, like those aren't things mm -hmm. that are necessarily, like, in the canon of, like, great American cinema. But for me, those are films, like, I really loved growing up and then going back and watching them. They just never disappoint. And Boys in the mm -hmm. Hood is just something quite... There's... I don't even know if I'll be able to describe it. Like, there's just something incredibly special about it, um, you know? And it just... I, it never disappoints. Like my only qualm really is that I hate Cuban Gooding Jr. Um, <laughs> the character or like the act, like the actor, the actor. Like but then as okay. like, I find like when I was younger and watched this film, I didn't mind so much. But then as I've like, for some odd reason, like grown to hate Cuba Gooding, um, <laughs> when I like revisit this film, I do have a little bit of like trouble with it because he really bugs me. <laughs> And he's, like, one of the most, like, you know, one of the more, like, essential characters. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's just every character is just so important and, and has such a story and such a weight to them, even if they're only on screen for a few minutes, um, which is just another success in, like, the way this story is told. So, I don't know. There's, like, a lot about it um, nice. that I just absolutely love. Well, we will get into that. Catcher, though. Um, first time seeing it? Uh, not no? I think second time probably, mm -hmm. but the first time I didn't remember everything, and I think most mm -hmm. of like the stuff I did remember was probably more from just seeing it, like 
elsewhere, elsewhere pulled or right. ripped on or whatever you know, whatever you want to say. Um, and it was it was wonderful. I mean, it's like uh, we have such a blessing to like watch all the, the movies that we, <laughs> that we watch on this show. So it's like we've been p- picking such bangers. So it's like it feels ba- weird to be like, <laughs> oh, here we go again, another banger. But it is such a great film, and the way the whole story is told, and the way it takes its time and the beginning and setting up their childhood and like just it gives you an opportunity to live with them for a bit to understand who they were growing up um their different situations how those things can affect you and then showing you sort of the outcome of you know the decisions that are made you know not necessarily by these characters by but by the characters around them and their parents and like what that means what growing up means what growing up with kind like how impactful how you grew up and who you grew up with is on your life is a lesson that is so important for sort of this time in this situation in this context, but just like for anyone, you know, that what, what growing up and what happens to you, how it can affect you is a, it's a timeless tale and it's told so wonderfully. And in a way that just like it can enlighten you, unfortunately, even now, like, so, mm. um, so good. So wonderful. One one of the big things that that I noticed on this watch is how matter of fact the story is. Mm-hmm. Like right from the get go, from with the children, like something that in particular stood out to me in in the in the first like in the first act when they're when they're kids is when um, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, the young Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, what's his character's Trey. name? Uh, and the young Trey, yeah. Which a Furious Styles, what a fucking amazing name. Yeah. Uh, yes, agreed. So cool. Yeah, uh, yeah Lawrence Fisher is Furious Styles, and then Trey um, Styles, his son. Um, when they're driving around and and they're singing like "Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier," mm. and they're just kind of having a time. And then they they come up, and it's young Doughboy um, and uh, young uh, Ricky getting arrested, mm-hmm. and they just kind of like pull up and like, well, like I guess now was their time to like go to juvie and like the neighborhood's just kind of watching people are like walking by, uh, you know, with their groceries and the mom just kind of walks out and it's like, well, like that's it. Like, like the cycle begins. Mm. And then, you know, they, they kind of do that. They do that for the first time there. And then it just becomes like a thing that I've noticed, like that scene where, um, one, like a, I think a homeless, it might've been homeless or someone else like rips a necklace off of one of the guys and they chase him down and beat him up to get the necklace back. And then again, it's just people like walking by, like going about their day. And what's interesting, like really stood out to me is that I think like a lot of times when like stories of like, you know, the story of like black America is told and that boom talk, talks about this, like in, in a lot of like movies that kind of cover this is like, they really focus like on like how like traumatic it all is when it seems like, and I'm assuming just based on how this was like received by people who live there and how, personal the story was to john singleton that like the reality is and the sadness is that there is no trauma at a certain point Mm. like it's just things that's just how it is like the cards were dealt that way and the difference is how people like try and pull themselves out of it or react in different ways and i'll I'll talk about Lawrence fishburne's character more later but um yeah i mean that matter of fact is just like throughout the whole movie and like i said earlier with like the helicopters and the gunshots going off and the sirens constantly going like, you know, it just 
puts everything is like this is this is what it's like and it's like a really powerful thing yeah totally i find like especially for films like this that are trying to kind of paint a picture or hold a mirror to reality let's say like sometimes the matter of factness can be a hindrance because it's like obviously in film you're going to kind of take liberties and make it a little bit more dramatic um and things like that but and which i feel like is like as much as i do feel like this film is like a mirror and like even the purpose of the film itself is just like well like nobody's talking about this like so let's just show it um it still feels like um like uh, I don't like I I don't want to sound silly but like it still feels like art if that makes sense like mm-hmm. there's like no, a totally. separation to it still like where you don't feel like you're watching like if I think about something like uh I I know I talk about this all the time just kind of like trauma porn but it's like when it's so rooted in only like one facet of like the reality where it's just like okay we're mm-hmm. only going to focus on the pain but in in this film, I find it's just like, okay, like, let's, like, shed a light on, like, the this reality that many people are living in that's very specific to, like, South Central L.A. And illuminate that, but also, like, just, sh- like, there's just such a genuine touch to it where it just feels like everything, I don't know, there's just, like, an honesty to it you don't really find much, like, recently. Mm-hmm. Good movies, like, speak for themselves, you know? It's like, what do you want yeah. me to tell you? Just watch the movie, and the movie will give you everything I need to say. Yeah. It's, like, one of those movies. And, like, not to whatever, recency bias or something, but, like, it's like The Godfather. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> In that, like, it, here is, like, a very specific shot of a very specific way of life. And mm. Mm. there's this concept of, like, when you put when you become hyper specific about something it becomes more um and more approachable like like mm. and that's what this world does it creates a world a holy you know using all of the op like options that a film has mm-hmm. to tell a full world like you said it's not picking the things and and sensationalizing certain things you know it's this is the reality it's not bombastic it's not crazy it's just this is the way it is yeah. and you have to come at it it comes from an honest place and so you have to approach it honestly um mm. and it tells everything very poetically um mm-hmm. there is like a, an amazing like through like vibe through the whole movie where you kind of know what's going to happen in a weird mm. way you can see mm. how everything is going to go and watching it unfold is sucks um yeah but in a way that's yeah, illuminating I, and education, like and for a dude who grew up in the suburbs, you know, like this is educational. Talking about the way how things end up and I guess jumping ahead a little bit, like something that is also just so masterful about this movie is how the storylines are all sort of wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Like the the payoffs, it's a, it's a pretty short movie considering there's about four main, four or five main characters and the stories they're able to tell in like just under two hours is like amazing yeah like you're able to care about all these characters so much like you know when they're making mistakes you like are yelling at the screen when like they should be doing something obviously in particular 
with um with Ricky mm-hmm. when you know he he got in a little tiff with his brother Doughboy. He goes to walk off. His mom's like, "We have your SAT scores for his mm. USC scholarship," and then all these things kind of spiral into his 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 death. Uh, you know, it, it, it's really just hard to describe like how well all these things are sort of tied in together. And I think like a a, a reason for that is because, and obviously this is part of the message of the story, as like again told through like Lawrence Fishburne's character, is that like. John Singleton's, at least to me, what he's trying to say is that like a lot of the turmoil and plight comes from like within your own community, right? Mm-hmm. Like specifically when the cop pulls over Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, and uh, Morris Chestnut, a white cop and a black cop comes out. The white cop is the nice one or mm-hmm. quote unquote nice one. The black cop is the one who pulls out a gun, like holds it to Cuba Gooding yeah. Jr.'s neck, right? And then the circumstances of events that causes of of course, like gang members kill Ricky in the end. Yeah. But that starts off because he argues with his brother. And people are even trying to say, like, hey, that's your brother. Like, you need to not do that, like where we are, ever, but you know, where we are. And then that sort of thing like leads into, you know, his death. And the way like they don't try and pull in all these extra characters that cause like this drama, but everything's sort of within their own community, yeah. I think like really pushes the story forward. And everything speak exactly. Like it's and everything speaks magnitudes as well because even that black cop who like hates black people and the and right. the narrative there is that he hates himself and it's like internalized racism and he goes off to become a cop and then like thinks he's above it all right but he's really mm-hmm, just a mm-hmm. part of the problem and it's like that man's on screen for all of maybe 2 minutes Mm -hmm. Um, And you get that also like the narratives around like black on black violence or just like what we're like, you know, which is a narrative we were all fed, especially growing up in the 90s, black and black violence. We're doing it to ourselves, essentially. But the way that it's like take not taking ownership of it, but it's just like the the way they just blow that open and they're not saying, Mm -hmm. hey, like. You know, the, because these are the chain of events that's now leading us to killing each other. Like they say that, but it's not also still putting ownership on the people who are partaking in this like vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, again, back to the cop is just all this shit that happens, like the thing that happens to Ricky and all the things that unfold. It's like with the when the cops show up are in the most like nothing moments, like nothing's going on. Nobody's really doing right. anything. Right. And then throughout the film, all this fucking shit's going down. It's like, where are the fucking cops? But it's like, they're always around. <laughs> but I'm like, we're really, literally, sirens, wa- we hear the signs, we can hear the helicopter lights and all of that. Um, but it's like, people, they're killing each other. Like, all this shit's happening and the cops are nowhere to be found. Like, it's just like everything is just, I don't know. Like, you're just like, yep. Like, this fucking place we call Earth. Uh, did you guys have any <clears throat> favorite characters or, or, or storylines to follow through in, in any of the guys in particular? Mm, I kind of, okay, so Nia Long, she plays Brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's mm-hmm. Cuba Gooding Jr. Trey's, like, uh, sort mm-hmm. of on-again, off-again, sort of roman- romantic partner. Uh, I loved her character. I mm-hmm. loved... Um, it gets a little messy, but I just found it like 
it was nice to see an inter- like a complicated relationship in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I I loved. I sort of he's kind of like kind of shitty um, at certain points to her, mm-hmm. um, but I really just like it was just a romantic character I wasn't expecting, and I really liked. It just seemed a little bit more complex than normal. Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. obviously steals the show. I feel like just from what's it called? Uh, I feel like that that you were talking about, like the cop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The cop is like Lawrence Fisherburn at the beginning of Deep Cover. Like that's mm. who he would have been, right? Um, and right. in this movie, he plays sort of the person. He plays that he has this amazing. He basically is the guy vocalizing the themes of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way they do that in a way that like that feels very so good. good. Um, so doesn't good. feel like uh exposition like dropping you know it 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 just feels very natural to what's going it's on it's always yeah it always packs a punch like it always feels powerful yeah i mean lawrence fishburn the monologue where he's like explaining how gentrification works yeah. is so good mm-hmm. because like obviously that that's problems never going to stop ever right yeah. but the like like you said catch the way he's able to trim it to like that two minute scene and how he converses with people like watching him like they capture the perspective like the older black gay man and then like the younger kids and he's like well it's your fault like no it's your fault but like the way he's able like he tells it and of course just like the way lawrence fishman speaks is just like it's so powerful every time that scene comes up i'm just like completely floored uh you know by the way it plays out but then like just as you're giving him so much credit where he um, has that lunch with um, mm. his ex-wife. Like, what a scene. So good. Where she's like, she's like, you're just giving yourself credit because not enough black men do what you should be doing when women have been doing this for thousands of years and aren't getting credit. 100%. Like, again, just a conversation that is, like, still obviously happening today. It's just, like, really amazing to see that. And, like, the way he re- his character receives that information, you know, it doesn't get into this, like, yelling scene or anything like he kind of absorbs it because he is like a his that's what his character would do right like yeah i don't know it's 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 just everything about his character i i just really really love yeah i love that scene and it's like it makes the whole because i always find like the the situation a little bit not jarring but it's like very different than like the narrative you would expect because it's like Mm -hmm. okay uh, this kid goes to live with his dad, which isn't something that we're used to seeing or hearing about. Um, and then Angela Bassett's character kind of disappears. And you expect, like, you kind of expect her to kind of go off the rails or something. Like, mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. see her again, you don't. And, like, this is also, like, you know, just kind of the way maybe we're trained as the audi- as an audience. But... um when we meet up with her again, you don't really expect that she's like been successful and yeah. Yeah. Makes it. Yeah. yeah, And makes it. And then you're trying to also then understand why Trey is more interested. Like, you know, like why is he more interested in staying where he is with his father when he could go be living this like pretty, you know, safe and comfier you yeah. know comfier life, life yeah you know but, but that's also in, like very interesting as well like there's just a lot to unpack like everywhere you look 
Mm-hmm. And what's what what I love too is it's not that just to go back to that whole discussion about gentrification. What's amazing is then you also get this great insightful like little scene with Doughboy talking about like the news and seeing the war on the news. And then him yeah. just like, they don't even know what's happening. And either they don't know or they don't care or it's both. But either way, like no one cares about what happens in the hood. And it's like that scene is coming from, you know, this is a scene from a dude who's just a little bit, you know, he's he's getting a little bit older. He's seeing more things. He's being more enlightened about the world around him. And it's not just uh, Lawrence Fishburne, like dude who you listen to whatever this guy says, but just a kid just seeing something from a kid's perspective you know and like sure yep. he's an like sure he's a teenager or whatever but he's still a kid and like what he's mm-hmm. experiencing the film does this great way of just showing all the angles and like you said like an older guy younger guy all these different perspectives and everything feels like the voice of that person everything feels honest mm-hmm. about what's coming and from their mouth and they're never saying things that doesn't feel honest to who they are um in their growth i just love yeah yeah, I, I I think honest is like the honesty just shown throughout the whole movie is really uh like sort of the best way to sort of like tie it all together. Just because again, it's it's it you know, I, I can't imagine people who are seeing this back then, like all these like white people who saw it because it was from the you know, it was Academy nominated, like it must have been a complete shock to see this oh, way. Yeah. Because like I said, like with like do the right thing. Obviously, very similar, very similar like themes, but like it's so theatrical in the way that like Spike Lee tells his stories that like some of it just might come off as like, oh, this is still like a little bit theater. This is still a little bit like fiction. Mm-hmm. And then, but then when you're kind of put into this like very like realistic portrayal, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, I, I think everything is just kind of drives home in like a very like different way. Totally. Um, yeah. I reckon it was like that. Remember, they always talk about like the mo- like one of the first movies, and it was like a train. Oh, yeah. And people like were running and jumping out of their seats because they thought the train was going to like right. f- fly through the screen. I was like, I imagine right. that's like white people watching this in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. Every helicopter is now scary to them. Every yeah. time, like, every, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, every time someone drives over a bottle, it's like a shootout's about to happen or something. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> like just on fucking edge. Yeah, I love too, like the the opening scene where he's mm-hmm. at school, and it's the mm-hmm. teacher talking about like it's like Thanksgiving, and it's talking about mm-hmm. like pilgrims and all this yeah. other stuff, and it's like amazing what an amazing way to start this especially now like you know understanding more of the complexities of uh, mm-hmm. showing up here and the complications that came with like european settlers coming here and what the, the mm-hmm. mess that they managed to uh, create and this idea mm-hmm. that yeah like here's a character who was brought up with a dad who was just giving him the facts and enough knowledge and power to stand up for like no you know so often people like know they're right but they maybe don't have the like the strength you know to stand Mm -hmm. up and Mm -hmm. say like Mm -hmm. oh no you're wrong but he has the strength you know and it it tells you so much about him and who his like you know who how he's grown up um and also like the themes of the movie you know like the the lies that were being told not lie i mean it's lies but you know like 
the way that its lies are woven in with some form of historical truth to like control mm-hmm. people, you know? With- mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way that Lawrence Fishburne, that, that all comes ahead is like at the end when um, after Ricky gets murdered, Cuba Gooding or Trey comes home mm-hmm. and like he tr- looks for the gun and Lawrence Fishburne's like, okay, like you want to be tough? Like shoot me. Like you got to have to come through me first, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he's really like sticking to what he believes and he's like, if anyone's going to send my son down this hole, it's going to be me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be like these, you know, gang members or whoever who, you know, murdered his friend and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, yeah, it everything just about this movie stop being is, awesome. is just so fucking good. Yeah. yeah. And like, you don't feel like you feel bad at the end of it, mm. but like you don't, you know, it's like, no, yeah. You don't feel like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's not, there's some things that you watch and I know I've like already spoken about this quite a bit, but you just feel weighed down by it and there's nothing there. And that's it's like never like, again. Like, I'm not going to watch this ever exactly, again. Like, I like get it. 12 years is like right. never watching that again. But with this, it's like some, there's just such an empowering like factor to it where you actually feel more energized by it than you do like absolutely devastated. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that's just like the power of this this movie and and movies like it, which a lot of which we've covered in this yeah. series. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just strong. It's just strong filmmaking. Like it, like it, there's always levity when you need it. There's always like strong moment when you need it. You always feel like you're with the characters constantly. It's got such a great vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, like I just keep thinking of The Godfather again. Actually, honestly, like, oh my gosh, just, I really, I really, and truthfully, like, yeah, not it. to like blow smoke or whatever, but it's when, when the sto- when everything is just designed so well to get you to the next place, to put you in the right mindset, to tell you a story in a way that's like compelling. It's not. That's not a easy, simple thing to do. You can't just pull that off just because. Like, it takes real skill. Um, and like everyone is working at 110 percent on this. Were there any other things before we go there? A few things I would just say. Yes, a, please bring it up. Morris Chestnut is a stunning man. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. I, like <laughs> every time I watch this movie, I'm like, um, my goodness gracious, like what a beautiful man. Um, and then, cinema like cinematography, camera work in this film is also incredible like it's very clear that this is maybe on the lower budget side but like at the same time you would never know it um which which was just pretty awesome and then sometimes the score was just absolutely like terrible (laughs) um but then so but then there were other yeah like so of the time and like you could never get away with that like in in film these days but it's they still make it work but then when the score slaps it slaps hard so slaps hard yeah uh yeah this the sex scene music hilarious oh my gosh (laughs) yeah yeah um anything else no i think that's all cool tension oh tension sorry i just saw a note incredible this the creation of tension in this movie is the, when they go up to do like the revenge shooting in the dr- mm-hmm. parking lot of the yeah. uh, fast food restaurant you're just like stressed the whole time gripping the seat yeah. you're just like oh god don't do this don't do this don't do this just like oh i love that feeling 
Yeah, because like you said, like you just kind of know it's just all these things that cannot be undone. Yeah, and of course. Like Shakespearean you know. in that way, you know, where it's like all we know what's going to happen. We just now have to watch it play out. Uh, for those who are just joining for the first time, welcome. Uh, at the end of each discussion, we do some categories just to wrap up the film. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, our Criterion moment, which is the scene or sequence in which we think it would, is in the Criterion collection. Boys in the Hood is in the Criterion in the Criterion collection only as a laser disc, though. Not quite sure. Like a yeah, why like Akira or whatever. Uh, they did some, but they haven't reissued them. I'm sure it's yeah, like rights uh, hell, probably. So. So I guess in this case, it is a Criterion moment. Uh, what are your Criterion moments then? Oh, you know. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'll go. What? With okay. the haircut scene. Mm. I love that scene. Okay. I just like yeah. showing this like lovely moment between the two of them. Um, they're joking with each other, they're having fun, you know, and then it leads to him like lying to his dad, saying that he'd had sex, even though he hadn't had sex. And uh, <laughs> just there's uh, in a movie that deals with so many, you know, like dark subject matter and so many terrible things happen. I love moments of levity like that in a movie. Um, so I'm going to call it with the haircut. Uh, my criterion moment, I'm going to copy. I'm going to do a pull a catcher and do two. Yes. Um, sorry. My first one is going to be the, like I said earlier with the ooh child, things are going to get easier. Mm. Um, that scene just because again, like it just shows like the matter of factness of it all. Uh, and then also just like the, the, the Ricky's death sequence, everything leading up to that is just brutal. Um, it, it's it's brutal and and hard to watch. Um, but it's just masterful storytelling. Just everything, you know. Every time I rewatch it, it's just it's it, it hits all the notes so well. Um, that so that's that it. they bring him home instead of say a hospital, for instance, or something yeah. is just like so telling. Yep. Um. So, love that. Yep. Uh, my criterion collection or my criterion collection, my criterion moments probably. The Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne lunch conversation. Um, I think it's just like there's a lot of layers to it and it's like a lot packed into like a three minute scene. I also think, I mean, if I were to say anything about this film in terms of like the way it's doing wonderful things in terms of like representation, storytelling, empowerment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I just always think like black women are kind of like left to the wayside in, in these conversations. And I think that I would have liked to see a little bit more of like the women characters in this, um, like, they seemed very, they were almost like tools to kind of, like, make certain points at certain times, rather than, like, having a ton of agency, like I saw with, like, the male characters. Um, but the moment with Angela and and Lawrence Fishburne in that scene is just, like, pretty incredible and powerful and, like, says, just says so much and, like, really is one of the reasons why I love this film a lot. Mm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second category is, uh, since we are discussing this in terms of deep cover, just quickly, like any high level things as to why you think it's, it was, it was a strong pairing for it. Uh, let's go in reverse order. Um, well, there's a lot, I think you could draw from this. For me, I would say like watching 
deep cover if you're like going for the more like psychological character study of Lawrence mm -hmm. Fishburne's character and then maybe and like you know becoming a cop and then like going into deep cover in the hood and you know but then okay so like Doughboy because he seems like he's gone kind of like just got completely like swept up by like his surroundings and his like situation um, and I think like the characters are similar for that reason, if that makes any sense. Like there's just like, like the, not, I don't want to say it's a spiral, but like, there's just something about the way they behave to me that like, even though they're like on opposites uh, sides of the spectrum, I think it's like interesting. Um, so I, I guess uh, like the base, the most basic thing I'll say is just the character studies <laughs> really in depth <laughs> yeah yeah nice uh yeah for me i i think we inadvertently like you said character studies we inadvertently went into like a pretty amazing Lawrence fishburne like <laughs> mini uh exploration as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. and a thing for me is that like he's just an underappreciated actor right like he's i feel like he's not brought up in the canon of denzel and he doesn't do as much work as denzel obviously um but in terms of like both these performances were like amazing. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I think from that sense, obviously. Um, and then again, I think just capturing like, you know, what type of stories black people were trying to tell in the early nineties. Um, the, the sort of correlation there I think is so clear. So catch Yeah. Up. I mean, I think um, you both sort of talked on them wonderful points and it's hard to like what else could you say but i just think if you want a film that's sort of going to give you like i don't know like a gateway into maybe this subject matter in terms of like the themes that they're dealing with in this in these movies these two movies i should say um i guess set it off actually as well um but i think this is like a great way that anyone could step in and watch this movie and have a really great time and really enjoy it and really connect and really understand and then if you want to kind of get like a little bit more um, high level um, while making it a little bit weirder, like boom, like you were saying, um, the next step would be to see deep cover. But I think if this is like a totally new thing to you or that this is a subject matter that interests you, but you don't know much about it, Boys mm -hmm. in the Hood is going to get you there. And then deep yeah, cover like is essential. Yeah, exactly. And then deep cover is like, you're up late one night, you've been thinking about Boys in the Hood for, you know, a week mm -hmm. or something, and, you know, maybe you want to get high or whatever you want to do, and then just go and have a really crazy fun time while also also dealing with, like, again, the high-level um, situations with this, like, where all these issues stem from, Deep Cover really gets into where they originate almost in a way, um, so I would say that's, like, a good second viewing. Uh, and that wraps up our conversation about Boys in the Hood. The Cynonauts top tier exploration rolls on. Uh, next week, we're going to have something with me and Boom. We haven't figured it out yet. Something to keep mm -hmm. Catcher occupied on the road. Uh, and then two weeks after that, we'll wrap up our exploration of deep cover with uh, Catcher's selection of Michael Mann's Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can't wait. Um before we wrap, Boom, was there any tea with Boom this week? I don't think there was. Not there? this week, but there will That's be fine. next week. There will be next week. If you want some tea with Boom, uh, 
follow us on Instagram at Synonauts or shoot us an email at synonautspod at gmail.com. Um, catcher, please have a safe drive. Of course. Yeah. Take care of sweet Emma. Of course. Next time you hear you- from Catcher, he'll be on the on Ian's coast. My side. That's right. Yeah. Yes, the West Coast. That's right. Well, Catcher, have a safe drive. Don't hit any meese along no the way. Meese. Uh, and boom. We'll figure out what we're going to do next week for yeah. a special episode. Could be anything. Could be anything. I love being an audience <laughs> member for this. This is going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk to everyone soon. Adios. Bye. Bye. Bye.